Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio.
SNST, my friends. The opening music was by Save Vocal Group from the CD Native Angels by Save. This is really a great uh, CD, and it's uh, awesome. You can, there's many spiritual songs with Native instruments, with Gregorian chanting, unlike anything you've ever heard. If you want to order a copy, contact Savi.org. I really enjoy their music. Uh, you can also, uh, I noticed they were on Facebook, and they also do live shows. And you can listen to them for free on YouTube, and you can also get a CD from Amazon. It's still there, and this one's called Native Angels. It's a CD. And I want to have a blessed day, and I think Father's Day is coming up, so happy Father's Day to all the dads and our Father in Heaven and my Father who is in Heaven. And uh, God bless you, Dad. I, I really miss you, and I want to say a shout-out to my Uncle Louie. I love you, Dad, and Uncle Louie, and I love you, Uncle Louie. Uh, he's up north in Vallejo. Anyway, I'm your host and friend, Reverend Sean McCain, and I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created to focus on the tenets that Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I'm a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of the Ryrie Study Bible. You may use any Bible you wish. I have personally have had many spiritual experiences, and in my gratitude, uh, we have ongoing Bible readings and discussions about our spiritual experiences, and we read the Bible and uh, read out of some books, and I'm going to have a once-a-month uh, special guest speaker, and that's going to be coming up soon. And I'm just focused on being my real self and carrying the message as it's given to me. So I don't uh, swear by any other whatever. It's just this is just me and my time that I'm doing this for my higher power on Sunday mornings. And I am a Christian, and uh, that's just the way it is, just simple as that. So the calling number is 619-924-9744, and Sacred Sundays airs every Sunday. 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, and we're making our way straight through the Bible. So let's have our opening prayer. Let's say it together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, that we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we pray for all the Christians that are being persecuted worldwide because of their faith. Their freedom to worship and lives were in jeopardy, and those whose lives were taken for distorted and evil reasons, and they have become martyrs. We pray for all those suffering from violence here at home and abroad. We pray for those who are sick in mind and body and those who are lonely and uncomforted. Please, God, forgive us our sins. We also keep in mind in prayer those suffering from domestic violence in their own homes, and we also pray freedom from addiction of all kinds. Please, God, send your Archangel Michael to fight against evil and protect all of us and all your angels to watch over everybody. Our prayers will go out to all those who suffer in the world, including the animals that can't speak for themselves. We also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of our policymakers. They have made decisions to make, and we are praying for all countries for the problems of suffering all over the world. Thank you, God. Amen. And we ask Jesus to bless us and help us grow in his care, and that we also grow in understanding. We pray for everybody and their families are in our prayers. And I want to say happy birthday to everybody that has a birthday today. 
And God bless everybody for any special uh, graduations. I know there's been a lot of graduations, and uh, congratulations on all your accomplishments. And uh, that happy anniversary to the special anniversary people, too. Now, I read the study Bible. That's the one I'm reading out of every Sunday, and that is because I found my original copy by the trash can. Somebody threw it out. I picked it up, and it said study Bible on the cover. I started studying my, my Bible. And now I'm on my second one because I wore out the first one. Anyway, I should start getting the other one out so uh, we can read our notes and everything because it's it's really something. Anyway, um, you can use any Bible you wish, of course, and the one that's comfortable for you. But there's also a couple online resources, which I've also used. It's www.biblegateway.com and also www.biblia.com. So let's read last week's um uh, Feisty um, summary of uh, chapter six, and remember it was about uh, sue not lest you be sued. That was our title, and then Paul has given other advice. Uh, we don't we don't take each other to court for every little thing. Somewhere there's Judy, it's cheering. Seriously, Corinthians, if you have those issues with each other, take it to the church. Let the community help settle it. And it sounds like a good idea. That's a better way than going in front of a bunch of non-believers in Roman court. Yep. What would it be even better if Christians didn't sue each other at all, but Paul's not going to shoot for the moon here. Anyway, the kingdom of God entrance exam. After all, Paul explains, terrible people are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Not even a little bit. Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, male prostitutes, sodomites, thieves, greedy folks, drunks, abusers. Well, Paul says it's all out. Paul points out that some of the folks in Christian church used to be guilty of all kinds of stuff. But then we were baptized in Christ, and all was good. Phew, just trying to keep it that way, guys. It does the body good. Because they become new people through baptism, it seems Corinthians think they can do whatever they like. Not quite. Sure, they can go around having sex with loads of different people and eating whatever they want, but Paul doesn't really think this is a great idea. They've got to treat their bodies right. After all, the Corinthians' bodies belong to God. They're his temples, remember? Besides, it's not like bodies are going to be get left behind in the end. Nope. God is going to raise them up eventually. Remember that? We've got to make, keep that. He's going to raise this body up and make it whole. So that means if you're, you have some sexy times with a prostitute, then you're becoming one with a prostitute, not with God. Look, Paul says, the point is our bodies aren't our own. We can just go around sleeping with whomever and think it's okay, because it's not. There goes the Corinthians' fun weekend plans, thanks to Schmoop, S-H-M-O-O-P dot com, and uh, for the summary, and they do it with a little bit of joking, but it, it's pretty serious, and um, we're going to go on to love and marriage again, because we are in the Corinthians, so if you get out your Bible, and we're moving to First Corinthians 7. And we're going to keep discussing love and marriage. First Corinthians chapter 7. Now concerning the things about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman, but because of the immoralities each man is to have his own wife, and each woman is to have her own husband. The husband must fulfill his duty to his wife, and likewise also the wife to the husband. She does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, also, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. 
Stop depriving one another except by agreement for a time so that you may devote yourself in prayer and become, come together again so Satan will not tempt you to because of your lack of self-control. But I say, but I say by way of concession, not command. Yet I wish all men were even as I am myself. However, each man has his own gift from God, one in this matter and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows that it is good for them if they remain as they are, even as Paul is. And if you do not have self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Now we're up to 10. So we're reading chapter 7, 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 7, verse 10. But to the married I give instructions, not I but the Lord, that the wife should not leave her husband. But if she does leave, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband, and that the husband should not divorce his wife. But to the rest I say, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever, that she consents to live with him, he must not divorce her. And a woman who has an unbelieving husband, and he consents to live with her, she must not send her husband away. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified through his wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified through her believing husband. For otherwise your children are unclean, but now they are now holy. Yet if the unbelieving one leaves, let him leave, and the brother or the sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. For now, now, for how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? Only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each, in this manner let him walk. And I so direct in all the churches. Was any man called when he was already circumcised? He is not to become uncircumcised. He has anyone to be called un, in uncircumcision? He is not to be circumcised. The circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. But what matters is keeping the commandments of God. Each man must remain in that condition in which he was called. Now, just remember that one. So, so we're trying to understand. He's trying to, you know, part of me is thinking about this. This little part is that that's why you're not supposed to escape the mountains by yourself and go in isolation. You just carry on with your work once you're saved. Uh, do the same things and improve, and you improve the inner man, the inner person. Anyway, verse 20, each man must remain in that condition in which he's called. For you were called while a slave. Do not worry about it, but you are ab- also able to become free. Rather, do that. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's free man. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, each one is to remain with God in that condition in which he was called. Marriage and Christian service. We're on verse 25 now. Now concerning virgins, I have no command of the Lord, but I give an opinion as to one by the mercy of the Lord is trustworthy. I think then that this is a good in view of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Yet such will trouble, such will have trouble in this life. I am trying to spare you. 
But this I say, brethren, the time has been shortened so that now those who have a wife should be as though they had none, and those who weep as though they did not weep, and those who rejoice as those who do not rejoice, and those who buy as though they do not possess, and those who use or who use the world as though they did not make full use of it, for the form of this world is passing away. That's interesting. But I want you to be free from concern. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But the one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And his interests are divided. The woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about things of the Lord that she may be holy in both body and spirit. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. This I say for your own benefit, not to put a strength upon you, but to promote what is appropriate and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. But if any man thinks that he is acting unbecomingly toward his virgin daughter, if she is past her youth, and if it must be so, let him do what he wishes. If he does not sin, let her marry. But if he stands firm in his heart, being under no constraint, but has authority over his own will and has decided in his own heart to keep his his own virgin daughter, he will do well. And then both he who gives his own virgin daughter in marriage does well. And he who does not give her in marriage will do better. Okay, marriage and remarriage. A wife is bound as long as her husband lives, but if her husband is dead, she is free to marry whom she wishes, only in the Lord. But in my opinion, she is happier if she remains as she is, and I think I also have the Spirit of God. Okay, let's go back and read this. I know in this modern times, this was written, oh, a thousand years ago, what, 2,000 years ago plus, but... Um, we still have to read it. Uh, the Bible is true and faithful, and uh, we're reading it, we're learning from it, and we're applying as much as we can to ourselves. Okay, so let's read the notes. Uh, seven one. In this chapter, Paul does not is not writing a, a treat uh, a treatment on marriage, but is answering questions that have been sent to him. We only have one side of the correspondence. It is clear that Paul favored celibacy, though he approved of marriage. And for more complete New Testament teaching concerning marriage, see John 2, uh, through 1 through 11, and uh, other notes. Uh, probably a position taken by some in Corinth. Paul grants its validity, but states that marriage is better for those who might be overcome by practices of the evil society in which they live. Uh, from the mutuality of marriage, each partner has rights of his, his or her own, and debts to the other. This refers back to the the advice of verse uh, 2 by way of concession because marriage is not a must. One in this manner, uh, for example, celibate, and, and another that is married. Even as I, Paul is obviously unmarried when he wrote these words. He might have been a widower. It is difficult, however, to substantiate that he has been married on the basis that he is a member of the Sanhedrin. This This is uncertain that he is a member, also uncertain that members had to had to be married in the period before. Okay. According to Paul's and Christ's teaching, believers should not divorce. If separation does occur, the believer must either remain unmarried permanently or be reconciled permanently. 
These verses deal with marriages in which one partner becomes a believer after the marriage. And then uh, Christ did not give any teaching concerning spirituality and spiritually mixed marriage, but Paul does. And his teaching is authoritative. Uh, such spirituality mixed marriages are to stay together if at all possible. And he's talking about sanctified. The presence of a believer in the home sets the home apart and gives it a Christian influence it would not otherwise have. A believing partner, therefore, should stay with the unbeliever. However, this does not mean that the children born to such a home are automatically Christians. They are holy in the sense of being set apart in the presence of one believing parent. That's true. So keep believing. Don't give up. Okay, leave. If the unbelieving partner chooses to separate, the believer must accept it. Through everything should be done to prevent separation. Nothing is said about a second marriage for the believer. Okay. The principle of remaining in one's marital relationship is part of a more general principle. And everything Christian is to remain in his calling, unless it's immoral. Celibacy is presented as desirable, though not necessary. Okay, the present distress. Uh, I think they were talking about then probably a particularly difficult circumstance in which the Corinthians Christians were passing. So and now we're up to 727, 28. Because difficulties or persecution may come, uh, people either stay married or are single, or still, if one marries, it's not a sin. Because time to serve Christ is short, all should be for him in every circumstance of your life, no matter what, anyway. Okay, 736. Some translation understand any man to refer to the bridegroom, but it is better to understand it as the father, since the verse verb means to give in marriage. The bridegrooms do not do that. Fathers do. If she is past her youth, if a virgin daughter is getting beyond marriageable age, then her father may arrange a marriage if it must be so. And uh, he's trying to say, uh, give her only in the Lord, which is to another Christian. And the remainders of the animals just been sacrificed. Okay, forget that's the next one. Okay. Anyway, what a long and difficult thing. And I know we all have our opinions, but you know that uh, I don't give my opinion very often on any of this because people have been arguing this smarter than me forever, so I'm not arguing about anything. Okay, <laughs> so... I have, uh, no, I'm not talking about my personal stuff here. <laughs> anyway, so let's try to adhere to what Paul said. Now, Paul is a single guy, and he's talking about married people. So whatever God found you and you found your faith, keep as you are. Don't head for the hills. Don't isolate yourself. However, don't jump into, uh, don't jump in or out of merit. So, it's the complex nature of this whole thing, and we have to be mature and just listen and be wise and humble. And, you know, if you're on your third or fourth marriage, you know, that we're, there's some mistakes being made. And I'm sure Paul is trying to save people from suffering. But if you're like me, you go ahead and do what you want to do, and then you suffer. And that's true. So just pray that God helps you and helps you find the right person or just be the right person. And uh, I don't uh, adhere to anything, seeing in any relationship that's abusive. So other than that, you know, it's all up on all up to you anyways, between you and your higher power. Okay, so let's see. I think we're going to do, do you want to do a little story? You just have time just for one little story because that was a very 
Okay, so this one is from Osella McCarthy, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And the title of this one, I love it, it says Set Aside a Portion. I was born on a farm in Wayne County, Mississippi, 88 years ago. I lived there with my mama, grandmother, and aunt. We raised corn, peas, potatoes, watermelons, and cane. We used to wash our clothes outside in a big black cast iron pot. When the four of us moved to Hattiesburg in 1916, we brought that pot with us. Like a treasure pot, it helped us make a living. In it, my mother and and my grandmother did washing for the white folks. We carried the water from the hydrant and filled up three big pots they had on a bench in the backyard of our little frame house. Mama boiled the clothes. She wouldn't scrub them, then rinsed and hung them on the line with wooden clothespins. I can remember being just a small child trying to throw some of the washing in the pot. I thought I was helping, but I was really just tossing clothes around and messing everything up. My great-grandmother, who was there at the time, called over to Mama, let, Lucy, let that child wash the smaller pieces, the socks and things. So Mama would let me stand on a wooden box and put a few pieces into the water, and that's how I began. I love to wash and iron. I started going to Eureka Elementary School. I washed my own clothes on Saturday mornings, standing on my box so I could toss them into the pot. Then I took it, my box out, out to the clothesline so that I could reach up and hang the wash in the morning sun. In the evening, I heated up that heavy old iron on the cook stove and did my ironing while standing on the box, and so I had all my clothes ready for the next week. I loved school and every one of my teachers, especially Miss Hill. I must have been about 10 or 11 when one day she said, Osella, come up here by the desk. So I went up, and I she talked to me low so nobody could hear. Osella, who irons your clothes? I do. You do? Oh, well. Well, I've got a linen dress I'd like you to iron. Would you charge? I said 10 cents. But when I returned the dress, freshly washed and ironed, she gave me a quarter. As time went on, one person told another person about my ironing and washing, and the work just seemed to come. The more I did, the more money I made. Some children in the household where my grandmother worked uh, had discarded a doll and buggy, so Grandma brought them home for me. I started putting my dimes and nickels and quarters into the pink lining of the doll buggy. When I was 12, my aunt took sick and I dropped out of sixth grade to look after her. I was sad to miss on learning, but I had felt good about helping my aunt. The next year, my classmates moved on, and I felt so far behind I never went back to school. Instead, I kept washing and ironing and tucking money into the pink lining of the buggy. There was one month I went around to the grocer and the milkman to pay our bills each month. One day, I passed the bank, and it seemed to be the thing to do to keep my money there. I took all my coins and dumped them on the counter, and I can't tell you how much I had, maybe $5. The teller put my money away in a checking account, and every month when I paid the bills, I dropped off more coins at the bank. All, that is, except for what I put in the collection plate at the Friendship Baptist Church. Nobody instructed me to do that. It just seemed fitting to give God back some of what he had given me. The years passed when I was in my 20s, a depression came, and I kept on washing and taking in, taking in more washing. I still used the old cast iron pot, but now I didn't need to stand on a box. On my days off, if anybody needed help for a party or something, I made some extra money. I love to work. I always ask the Lord to give me a portion of health and a portion of strength and some work to do. And over the years, he did just that. 
I hear some people today have financial advisors who tell them to save their money and what to spend it on, or people want more of this or more of that to make them happy. They just can't get enough. Well, the Lord portioned out the good things in life to me just fine. Who needs any more? I made a rule that I would always keep up my church giving, and once a year I made a payment on my insurance and my burial plot. And every month I paid the water, my water, electricity, gas bills, and set aside a certain amount for groceries and everyday needs. Over the years, God showed me how to spend a certain portion on this, how to spend a certain portion on that, and how to save the rest. It must have been him because nobody else showed me. One day I went to the bank and deposited more money until I said, Well, Sarah, if you put your money in a savings account, you'll get more interest in that money. Yes, ma'am. When can I do it? Well, you can do it now. I said, I did. Then on the visit to the people in the bank said to me, Orsella, can you ought to put your money in CDs and build up more money? And I said, yes, ma'am. When can I do that? And she said, right now. So I did. And I just kept adding. Sometimes $20 a month, sometimes $15. I only went to the bank to put my change in dollars and not to get them out. As long as I was able to keep working... I didn't see any need to take out that money and buy things I didn't have to have. Once, excuse me, once a man down on 3rd Street was making a cedar uh, shiffer robe, and I paid him $40 for it, but that was the first and last check I wrote. I also got my license as a hairdresser, and about 14 years I washed in six people's hair. But when Mama got sick with cancer, I went back to a washing and ironing at home so I could take care of her. Things were changing after the war. I had been charging $2.50 for a bundle of laundry, but as time passed, people gave me $10 a bundle. Some folks were switching to hand crank washing machines, but I kept using my cast iron pot and the line out back. I never needed much. If somebody gave me a pair of shoes that didn't fit, I just cut the to- out the toes. And my Bible got so tattered from use. Tape everything. I did. I'm sorry. Let me go back. Okay. And if my Bible got tattered from use, I used to tape it up and keep the pages in. I never needed a car. I always walked wherever I went. I pushed a shopping cart back and forth to the grocery store about a mile down the road. I've got an old black and white TV. It gets one channel, but I never watch it. I'd rather read my Bible. In 64, Mama died, and in 67, my aunt passed on. So I've been by myself ever since. I was alone except for the Lord. I kept on working even after the age of most people retire. It was December of 94 when my hands started swelling. I was doing washing washing for lawyer McKenzie and his wife. Miss McKenzie asked, what's the matter with your hand? Creeping arthritis, I said. I had a touch of it before, but it's got me now. It's It's mighty distressing that I had to quit work at the age of 86. Oh, my God, this woman. But I said, Lord, I want you to stay with me and guide me and protect me in all things. And he sure did. At the bank one day, they asked me if I wanted my money to go when I passed on. Mr. Paul Laughlin, he's one of the officers there, sat down with me and spread out ten dimes. He told me that each dime represented 10% of my money. I took a dime for the church, a dime for each cousin that left six dimes for a dream I'd always had. I want to help some child go to college, I said. I've been going to give the rest of my money to the University of Southern Mississippi. 
so deserving children can get a good education. I want to help African-American children who are eager for learning like I was, but whose families can't afford to send them to school. Paul looked at me funny and said, Miss Rosella, that means you're giving the school $150,000. $150,000? I never realized how much I had and the amount. That took my breath away. Laura McKenzie talked to me to make sure I really wanted to go through with my plan, and then he drew up the papers. He made sure that I would still have enough money if I ever needed it, and rest would be given out over the years ahead, year by year. When the news came that I had what I had done got out, folks in the newspapers and magazines came around to find out who I was. I didn't see what all the fuss was about, but the invitations started arriving and to come to visit the president in Washington, D.C., and the United Nations in New York City. I had never been outside of Mississippi except to Niagara Falls one time a long time ago, and the roar scared me so. But I went and got a Presidential Citizens Medal and honored by the U.N., who would have thought that I'd be making trips like that? But of all the new people I met, the one who meant the most to me showed up right in my own front yard. Last August, a lovely young girl ran up and threw her arms around me. Thank you, Miss McCarty, she said, for helping me go through college. It was Stephanie Bullock. She was about to begin her freshman year and the first to receive a $1,000 Osella McCarthy scholarship. Stephanie had brought along her mother, who was a school teacher, and her grandmother, who was a seamstress, and her twin brother, who was entering college also. We all sat visiting on the screened-in porch right off. We felt like family. Stephanie had wanted all her heart to go to USM, but since her twin brother was starting his freshman year at Jones County Junior College, the money was pretty tight. Even though her grades were good, she had been president of the student body at Hasbrook High. She kept missing out on scholarships. Nonetheless, she had gone ahead and applied to USM on faith, and her family asked the Lord for help. Everyone in the Bullock family prayed for something to happen. Stephanie's mama, Lee Rester Bullock, kept telling her not to worry, but to trust the Lord that something good will come. Lord told us, if we ask, we will receive, Stephanie said, so I'm asking for help. Then she received a phone call telling her, that I would be the first person to receive a also a McCarthy scholarship. Within minutes, Stephanie's mother told me the whole neighborhood knew. I am so proud. I told Stephanie right away that I'm planning to be there for graduation. Now I feel like I've got a granddaughter. I'm always surprised when people ask me, Miss McCarthy, why didn't you spend all that money on yourself? I just smile. Thanks to the Lord, I'm spending it on myself. Thank you, everybody, for listening this morning. I love that story, and I hope it blessed you, and I hope the reading this chapter blessed you, too. And I want to bless you and, and say, God bless you. And let's close an after-moment meditation for th- those out there that may be still suffering. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. And in closing... I would just like to say that um, I appreciate this and everybody that listens in archives. God bless you so much for taking the time out and the attention for us every Sunday. So let's keep it holy and let's keep it going as we go next week. We're going to read Chapter 8. In closing, may God bless and keep you in his loving arms so that you may have the strength to face whatever is ahead. Just remember, none of us are ever alone. 
God loves you, and may your best dreams come true and true love live in your heart. Message me if you have any concerns or requests for prayers, and we, or we need to discuss something. So bye, my friends. God bless you in every way. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.